Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is brought to you by Yumiko. Yumiko just released a multicolor plus black and white collection of leotards. Pieces feature intricate designs that can include different colors within the same panel, alternating velvet and nylon trims on different sides of the body, as well as multiple fabrics and colors on straps and necklines. Stand out in class and rehearsals with these beautiful designs that are like nothing you have ever seen before. We invite you to see these new items in person at the Yumiko store in New York City. And on December 8th, you can come see us too. We will be recording a live podcast on Saturday, December 8th at 4 p.m. at Yumiko's New York flagship boutique with special guest Juliet Doherty, star of the movie On Point. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more information coming soon about our live podcast on Saturday, December 8th at 4 p.m. And in the meantime, explore all of Yumiko's beautiful and personalized dancewear at yumiko.com. This episode is brought to you by the Town of Vail and hosted by Manor Vail Lodge, important partners of the 2018 Vail Dance Festival. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Breeden. And you're listening to Conversations on Dance. This week on Conversations on Dance, we are joined by one of the ballet world's most celebrated pianists, Cameron Grant. Cameron joined the New York City Ballet in 1984, where he was appointed pianist of the New York City Ballet Orchestra four years later. He has played nearly every major piano ballet in the repertoire, including Balanchine masterworks like David's Bundlertanze and Tchaikovsky Piano Concerto No. 2, and Robbins ballets like Dances at a Gathering and Goldberg Variations. We spoke with Cameron about how he came to work for the ballet, what working with Jerome Robbins was like, and the unique challenges of playing for ballet dancers. Cameron, thank you so much for joining us today. I know you have a lot of rehearsals, so we really appreciate you taking the time out to talk to us. My pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) So let's start at the beginning. Um, At what age did you first become interested in music? Well, my three older brothers were all already studying piano, and then they all ended up doing other instruments. So it was kind of natural to go into, you know, start something. And they were studying with Antonia Brico, who was the first woman to conduct the New York Philharmonic. And she had ended up in Denver, where I grew up. Hmm. And she said, how old is 
Cam, and she, they said five. She said, perfect. You know, he's going to be going to school. He can start on the piano. So I started, and everybody else ended up going to another instrument and didn't pursue music as a career, but piano I just kept pretty. going. <laughs> <laughs> so you always enjoyed it then, or it was just kind of something that was naturally a part of your life? I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I didn't, uh, probably didn't practice, uh, I, you know, like crazy hours or anything until I was really in college and I heard colleagues practicing and I went, okay, I get it. <laughs> it's going to take some real hours. Uh-huh. Is that about the time you decided that you wanted to pursue music professionally? Well, the thing is that my teacher had always had us play in concerts. Mm-hmm. We gave a recital every year, and then she conducted the Denver Symphony, and I think I was 11 or something playing with the orchestra, and that's kind of terror-filled, terror but also thrilling. Mm-hmm. And so when, you do, when you, you're doing performance, it kind of gets in your blood, and then, mm-hmm. you know. So I would say when it came time to choose a college was probably when I decided that since that was about the only thing I could do really well, <laughs> I better pursue it. You know. So where, where did you end up going to college? I went to New England Conservatory for two years. And then my girlfriend had moved to California to go to CalArts when it started on its new campus in Valencia. Mm-hmm. And I went out to visit her. And uh, the piano teacher there was Lee Hambro, who was uh, – in the Philharmonic, and also the second pianist to Victor Borga. Hmm. And he was so enthusiastic about my coming out there that he talked me into going to CalArts. Uh-huh. So I went there for two years. And then I realized that being a big fish in a small pond is not the answer. So I moved back to Boston hmm. and got a master's at New England again. Hmm. So then what drew you to New York City? Well, if my... Good buddy, who I had known the first time in Boston, showed up on my doorstep when I was about to play with the Boston Pops mm-hmm. as oh, a fun. as a uh, graduation concert. Mm-hmm. And he just said to me, he said, well, if you're going to be a musician, you should move to New York. <laughs> and I said, sounds good okay. to me. <laughs> and so I said, what are you doing? And he said, he was at loose ends. So we ended up sharing an apartment in New York, and he stayed a year and I never left. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's amazing. So um, you auditioned for a spot at the ballet at New York City Ballet at a friend's suggestion. Had you always thought about performing with ballet or is that something that just... Never. Never. Never had crossed my mind. I didn't know a damn thing about it. Uh-huh. And I, But the idea of instead of running around and doing like 20 rehearsals of really, really hard new music, which is what I was doing, mm-hmm. and then making $200, I thought, well, going to work at Lincoln Center every day, how bad can it be? Right. You know. So, I mean, it actually was pretty bad at the beginning because I didn't know what I was doing. Uh-huh. It was all those old Balanchine ballerinas that were end of the end of their career, mm-hmm. very cranky, <laughs> very impatient, and I was bad. You know, I mean, I could play the piano, but that's not the that's not the gig. The mm-hmm. gig is right. knowing the collaboration right. and knowing what they need. Yeah. And uh, so, the, my favorite day of every year was the last day of work. <laughs> I'd, I'd leave the stage door at the State Theater and just like practically do somersaults because mm. I was so happy to leave. Mm. Oh my God. But then, you know, you get better. Yeah. You hang around 
After a few years, I was better. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of started to get what the job was, even though this is my 34th year there. And I would say I'm still learning mm-hmm. little nuances and tricks and, yeah. you know, how to make the process flow smoothly. Uh, what were some of the major adjustments you had to make initially uh, when you were first starting out at City Ballet? Well, what you realize, uh, I'm a slow learner, but what <laughs> what I took, what I realized is that what they need is not great piano playing. In fact, it matters not at all practically. I mean, in, in the rehearsal process, right. and the rehearsal process really are the nuts and bolts of making that organization run. Mm-hmm. You know, it, uh, it's the day in and day out grind out the rehearsals. You know. Uh, they're working on their thing. And basically, you're there to enable them to, you know, work out what they need to work out. And mm-hmm. so it becomes, uh, you really have to know the body and the tempos. Mm-hmm. How many wrong notes you play, how beautiful your sound is, all that stuff, they could care less. Mm-hmm. You know, and in a certain way, that remains so mm-hmm. in performance. You know, you can do mm-hmm. what you think is you know, Horowitz level. Uh And if the tempo wasn't right, you're going to hear about it. Uh (laughs) Because they don't, you know, it's not the interpretation. It's the doing what they Mm. expect, even though it's live. So it's always going to be a little bit of a crapshoot. So how do you find your own voice in that? That there are tighter parameters maybe than if you're just playing in a concert hall, that you have to, that you're, you're doing this for the dancers, but you also have to get something out of it for yourself as an artist. I think once you realize you have to figure out what they need, which mm-hmm. is about tempo and rubati. Mm-hmm. And then within that, you find how to make the music sound like that's how it goes. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't have a problem with that. At, f- at first, most musicians really resist that because they Mm -hmm. feel like they're compromising. But it's a collaborative art. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't just go in and play a Stravinsky piece the way you imagine it should go Mm -hmm. because somebody has put steps to it to a specific tempo Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it isn't going to change. So you can't say, well, you know, I've heard, well, I've heard so many guest conductors, especially Mm -hmm. say, well, this is too slow. It has to go faster. Right. But, you know, if Balanchine set it at a tempo... It's got to go at that tempo or mm-hmm. close, mm-hmm. you know. So, you, but you find where you can uh, express yourself within those confines, and right. it, it doesn't really become, you know, restrictive mm-hmm. once you realize what the gig really is. Mm-hmm. Are there certain examples of specific works that you felt like you had to make major alterations to, where it's like you never? heard it so slow or fast or whatever, you know, that you had to make your biggest adjustments for? I would say on uh, almost all of Jerry Robbins' showmen. Mm-hmm. And because he, he was he was all about theater. So he would uh, make certain decisions about how the piece, certain places of the piece should go, mm-hmm. you know, certain tempos or, or stops and starts and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, you just have to, you have to learn them. And uh, 
and they're fine when you're when you're somebody's looking at the dance they don't notice that if you'd played that same thing in a concert people would say what is wrong with that right. guy mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's so exaggerated yeah. it's so slow but you combine the visual mm-hmm. and the oral element and it all seems very natural in fact another pianist at SAB uh I'd played dances at a gathering and she had heard it and she said to me you sounded great and it's it's amazing you don't have to really do anything you know unusual mm-hmm. and I thought I've succeeded <laughs> because she she you bought fooled, in you fooled a professional <laughs> I mean and, yeah. and so what I did with the dancers was convincing enough that it just seemed natural right. which is also a tribute to Robbins is genius. Mm-hmm. Right. Let's talk about him a little bit more in your work that you did with him. What um, major pieces did you work on with Jerry? I did Goldberg Variations. Mm-hmm. I did uh, Dances at a Gathering. I did In the Night. I think by the time I did other dances, he wasn't around. Uh, but of course, Goldberg and Dances are the two mm-hmm monuments. Yeah. What was that experience like for you? We've heard some dancers talk about the experience of it. What was it like for you being in the studio with him? Honestly? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell us. Yeah. Because uh, that's <laughs> kind of how I am. So he was the meanest guy I've ever seen, period, well, by 10 that. times. Yeah. He was, he, I think he was tormented mm-hmm. in himself. He was a perfectionist. He, he, uh, if he would see some poor young female dancer having a bad day it was like a shark seeing blood he she would be in tears for the whole rehearsal and but uh and i don't know what he he terrified dancers mm-hmm. except for certain you know principles he seemed to have velvet gloves with right you know they were they couldn't do any wrong in a certain way mm-hmm. but everybody else around stage musicians everybody was he just uh, terrorized everybody basically. Yeah. And, uh, but he got, I don't know, he seemed to get an incredible product. Mm-hmm. Now, my experience is that way of dealing with people with musicians is only counterproductive. You don't get any more, you don't get any positive results. Mm-hmm. You get somebody like scared to death that they're going to take the wrong tempo. Mm-hmm. But, uh, it's not constructive with musicians. Now, I can't speak for dancers because he seemed to get these incredible results. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've never seen his works look as good as when he was alive coaching them. Mm. That's interesting. I mean, the one thing that I can say is when he was getting old and I'd played everything, mm-hmm. you know, he hated to change pianists, but. One of our pianists got AIDS, and one of them started. Another pianist started having physical problems. So I mm-hmm. took over this massive Robin stuff. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the concert was another one that I did a lot. Oh, wonderful! And so uh, at one point, we'd just been through the wars, and he had lost some of his bite. He was getting old, and mm-hmm. he was sitting at the piano before a West Side rehearsal on stage, and he always liked to kind of plink out some Bach or something. Mm-hmm. So I walked over and without even thinking, I said, why don't you play the piano and I'll yell at the dancers today? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he gave kind of a classic Robbins, you know, frown. And then he smiled. He, he realized exactly. that it was a That's joke. <laughs> um, can we talk about the concert for a second? I would like to know, um, 
because you're really a part of that ballet in a lot of ways. How is that different or exciting for you to kind of be a character in that ballet? Well, it's such a it's such an incredible ballet. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, the first five or ten minutes mm-hmm. is just top top drawer. Mm-hmm. I think it sags a little, but after that, in places, but. That first, that opening is <clears throat> when it's done right. Mm-hmm. It's hysterical, mm-hmm. and I always enjoyed it. And uh, that's funny because at the when I did it once with him, after I'd done it a bunch, mm-hmm. and I I just said to him, you know, I'd been told the whole opening that the pianist does. Mm-hmm. I'd been taught that and did it, and mm-hmm. it was fine. Got it. And I said to him one day, you know, you've never you've never coached me on the opening, and he actually started to do some different things. Mm. Huh. But then one of the guys who said to me afterwards said, don't do that. Do what, it, <laughs> do what it, it's been. Uh-huh. But I'm really sorry that that's not recorded because right. it would be interesting. Yeah, yeah. to see. Right? Because he was, he was always inventing. So he was like, okay, uh, try, the, you know, try this and try. And I was like, oh, my God. I didn't mean, you know, I didn't mean to do something new. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, but he, it was funny. After the very f- first dress rehearsal that I did of that piece. Mm-hmm. We were all done, you know, the usual kind of feeling wrung out after Robin's dress rehearsal. And he looks across at me, I'm like 20 feet away, and he points and he says, and tonight you'll have a mustache. And I thought, <laughs> I don't have a mustache. Uh. <laughs> and I thought, okay, you know. Whatever. So I turned to somebody and said, how do I get a mustache? <laughs> Go down to, you know, makeup. Uh-huh. They'll figure out. They'll put them on a mustache. And it was perfect because I look, when I have that mustache on, I don't know, I look either, you know, I tend to smile a lot. And I don't think he wanted that look, mm-hmm. you know. He wanted something more formal or severe or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And it, it's perfect because the mustache kind of looks funky on me mm. but it helps hide the 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 tendency to smile mm. and when you enter in that ballet you're supposed to be looking down sort of down at the audience like you, none of you are worthy of hearing what i have to offer mm-hmm. and i think it kind of helps that attitude i also i bet the audience love that because city ballet audiences know you i mean they they see you night after night as you but then to have you come out in that look, I mean, I'm sure that people were just loving it. They were it. laughing. Yeah. The orchestra always laughs because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they think it looks so funny. Uh-huh. You know? Is it hard to not laugh? It's really hard. In? in fact, you know the you know that ballet well. Yeah, we, we did it. it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. What am I thinking then? <laughs> I, was, I was shy boy. Rebecca did the. I did one of the ladies. Yeah. So the mad. What do they call her? The, the mad, mad ballerina. Yeah, mm-hmm. the mad. Uh, no, not the mad ballerina. Oh. The, the the you know the girl who comes in and slams. Oh, a chair angry girl. Angry, angry girl. girl. So Michelle Gifford mm-hmm. is doing it, and mm-hmm. it's one of my very first ones. And I every time she came over, I didn't dare look over oh. there. I always she's wanted right in your face, right? Yeah, she's her. right at the edge of the piano with her elbow on mm-hmm. the edge of the piano, and I really wanted to look like. What are you doing here? Kind of because uh-huh. I thought that was the character, but every time I'd turn, I'd laugh. Yeah. So I finally got so I could do that. And I thought, I'm going to hold it together. I'm fine. I, you know, I'd done it. And so I, I've got the, you know, kind of serious, alarmed look on my face. And I turn to Michelle. I do it perfectly without, you know, anything. And just as I turned back to the piano, she went, 
pretty good, pretty good. Uh, <laughs> no, and then you lost it. Then I, but then I'm facing the music mm. again. <clears throat> but she's got her back to the audience. Yeah. So anyway, it's funny. Oh my gosh, I love that moment. Every year, the Dance Magazine Awards bring stunning moments of artistry and poignant speeches from the awardees. This year, on December 3rd, Dance Magazine honors Lourdes Lopez, Crystal Pite, Michael Trusnevik, and Ronald K. Brown, while Misty Copeland will be welcoming the guests. In addition, two Harkness Promise Awards and the first-ever Leadership Award will be given out as well. For tickets to this uplifting evening, go to dancemagazine.com and click on Dance Magazine Awards. The awards will be held at the Ailey City Group Theater in New York City. I was wondering, since you said, you know, initially it was difficult um, to kind of find your way uh, playing at the, at the ballet, um, that you would look forward to the end, right? So were you working with Jerry at that point? Would that have been a contributing factor to a difficult adjustment or did that come later? I wouldn't have been working with him yet because you're very, I had three spectacular solo pianists above me Mm -hmm. at that that point. And when I joined, I actually was sharing one position because I was so busy on the outside that I just couldn't do six days a week. Mm -hmm. And also the guy I was sharing the position with with was fabulous. Mm. So I was slow to take over any solo Repertoire. So, mm-hmm. and Jerry not ever wanting to switch pianos, he only I only went into that rep because of the physical difficulties of my colleagues. Mm-hmm. So it that he wasn't the factor, right? Okay. Were, were you really intimidated going in and changing? Because since he didn't like to change pianists, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he was intimidating. You know, you could do an average rehearsal. <laughs> no, out of the out of the rehearsal situation, he'd say hello. Oh. Huh. Five minutes before, he would have sliced and diced you because you represent when he's in a rehearsal situation you're not a person Mm. you're just a a part of his vision and if you're not lining up with his vision your 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 history you know so uh yeah no that's interesting interesting so how do you maintain this grueling schedule of playing for company rehearsals all day and then playing for performances at night without burning out well, it's funny that you would say that because a year and a half ago, <laughs> mm-hmm. I stopped everything but the orchestra job. I'm just the orchestra pianist now. So no rehearsals anymore. No rehearsals, uh-huh. which means no solos mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you have to rehearse sure. with the dances every day for the solos. Mm-hmm. But it, you know, I got to a certain age, and uh, I would do that. I was the orchestra pianist, rehearsal mm-hmm. pianist, and solo pianist. And I'd come in for an orchestra rehearsal at, uh, you know, 10 o'clock. I mean, starting at 10 or something, right? Mm-hmm. And then do rehearsals in the afternoon. And then maybe at 9.30 at night, play pictures at an exhibition mm-hmm. or chai, you know, piano concerto number two. Right, right, right. Not easy things. No, <laughs> really hard things. Yeah. And what scared me was the mental fatigue. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, my brain is really active during a performance mm-hmm. i mean one of my colleagues is always amused because i'll say you know what i was thinking at that place and I, you know what i was thinking at that place and mm-hmm. uh it really has to be incredibly engaged in such details as i'm playing mm-hmm. and with mental fatigue i felt like i was one step behind mm-hmm. and it was it was so scary i went wait what are you doing mm-hmm. you know one of these days i would i would cert- for certain performances i i didn't know 
I would feel like I didn't know if I was going to crash and burn mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in a performance, maybe in a piece I'd played 30 times like Goldberg. Mm-hmm. But Goldberg, when you're tired and you're standing at the door to go out and play and you're exhausted and you know that for the next hour and 15 minutes it's you, mm-hmm. I just was like, oh my God. You know, yeah. every time, that piece a little bit every time, but yeah. if you're tired, it was it was just excruciating. Mm-hmm. Sure. And then it would be fine. Yeah. Right? But- the feeling beforehand yeah. is so extreme. Yeah. And I think what did it was one weekend, well, I, they were planning the programs for one season and they had pictures, mm-hmm. uh, Alexi's Ballet, right? Mm-hmm. And Goldberg. Mm-hmm. And they said, you want to play? Go-? And I, they were each, I think, four times in, 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 a, in 10 days. Oh. So I'm going Goldberg pictures Goldberg pictures and I said I can you know I know those pieces really well by this time I'd played pictures a lot you know and Mm -hmm. I thought it's fine then I got there and I'm playing Goldberg and then the next day I'm playing pictures Mm -hmm. and I went what was I thinking Uh you know I went into a room with Nancy my colleague and I said talk about hubris Mm -hmm. I mean how stupid was I (laughs) you know and so I was performances were fine right but I was playing pictures on a Saturday night. I'd probably played something in the matinee. Mm-hmm. Playing pictures Saturday night uh, and Sunday matinee, mm-hmm. right? And that feeling before the Saturday night mm-hmm. pictures was one of those where I thought, I have no idea what's going to happen tonight. Right. I said to my page turner, I just was like, I got no clue because right. I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. Went totally fine. Yeah. The next afternoon... I come in, no rehearsals. I'm rested. I was like, it was like a walk in the park. Walk in the park. Yeah. You know, I went. It's great. Sure. But you know, I thought before I have a true crash and burn, maybe it's time to pass the baton. You know. <laughs> so we ended up. Uh, I actually recruited a guy who's now my replacement, who's a fantastic player. Oh, wow. So what is that process like for finding someone and how much are you involved with passing on the knowledge that you've curated all these years? Well, he's he's really, really smart mm-hmm. and he does his homework. So he hasn't tapped me a lot. But I think the the company somehow was in denial that I actually meant what I said <laughs> that I was leaving. So nobody was doing anything. Oh. Which is shocking to me because mm. I, I kept saying, you know, I'm leaving in really happening. <laughs> a year. You know, you guys should, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll get on that, you know. So nothing was done, absolutely nothing. So I went out and, you know, I checked with a guy who's head of percussion, who's an mm-hmm. old, old friend of mine. And I said, who, who do you know? And he said, well, there are two great contemporary music pianists in New York that are friends of mine. Why don't you ask them? Because my experience is that, Somebody who uh, can play really hard contemporary music. Most of us grew up on not that. You mm-hmm. know, we grew up on Chopin and all that stuff. So I figure that if the guy can play the hardest contemporary, he can play any classical, mm-hmm. right? So I talked to these two guys, and one of them, pretty soon after we started talking and I was explaining the job, he told me he wasn't interested because mm-hmm. he's really busy as a mm-hmm. As a performer in the New York area, well, all over the world, and the other one though is older, and I think he was thinking the same thing I was thinking when I took the job. Mm-hmm. You know, it wouldn't be so bad 
to have health insurance, a regular salary, <laughs> and go to work in the same place. Right. Mm. And then I can add other stuff. Yeah. So he asked me like a hundred questions about every, which was good. Wow, mm. yeah. And I was totally honest about the job. I said, you're going to feel humiliated. You're going to feel worthless. You're going to feel embarrassed. You know, but if you can push through, you get to play all these incredibly cool pieces. Yeah. And so... uh he said, I'll give it a shot, and he's still there. Awesome. Mm -hmm. That's great. Did you have like a sort of tipping point where you were, where you did find that thing it, you were able to just enjoy playing that great rep, where you were finally past the place of that sort of humiliation, if you will? Well, the humiliation is not in performances, because mm -hmm. performances were the, always the easiest part of the day. Right. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you weren't too tired. Mm-hmm. Because nobody's telling you anything, nobody's clapping their hands, nobody's screaming at you in rehearsals. Right, right. You know, that's where that humiliation comes mm -hmm. from. But when you got to the performance, you felt free because there ain't gonna be anybody stopping you. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, so then you're you're just into the into the music. You joined the New York City Ballet Orchestra the year after Balanchine died. What were some of the ways that you still felt his presence affecting uh, the musical direction? Well, I joined the company mm -hmm. in 84. The orchestra job, I think, was started about 1998. The oh, okay. original oh. pianist, Yasha Zaidi, mm -hmm. uh, was very old, and he finally retired. Uh, and he'd been there since the beginning. And then they, the music department decided that they wanted me to take that job. But anyway, to your question, I would say that in a certain way that uh, that same influence is still in the building. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say it's changed particularly. There was a kind of pall, of course, mm -hmm. because he had died and, you know, that incredible inspiration. You can't replace that. Mm -hmm. You know, here's a guy who's uh, a musician, mm -hmm. uh, a genius, genius choreographer, right. you know, cared deeply about his dancers and the company. Mm -hmm. So his absence is noticed, but there was always this uh, dedication to what Mr. B uh, or Mr. Balanchine, depending on who was saying it, uh, <laughs> would have wanted. And at that time, there was just this collection of people that were so good at what they did. Like the pianist that hired me was Balanchine's main pianist, Gordon Bilsner. Right. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't a better uh, pianist alive mm -hmm. for that kind of thing. And he was, you know, he was close to Mr. B. Mm -hmm. So he knew every twitch of every uh, musical nuance of Balanchine's stuff. And also he was the original pianist for... Uh, uh, Goldberg and dances, mm. so he was a he was you know this monumental presence himself, and but I, I think everybody just wanted kind of to have, you know make Mister B proud mm. of what was continuing. So there was this real dedication to the pureness of his thoughts and steps. Yeah. So we're here at the Vail Dance Festival. That's what brought us together to be able to talk today. Um, why is this a gig or a performance that you want to be a part of and that you are eager to accept? 
Well, pretty much anything Damien gets involved in, I'm happy to get involved in. Uh-huh. I mean, he's one of a kind, his energy and imagination. And we've worked together, we worked together a lot at City Ballet. Mm-hmm. And then he wanted me to come here back when he was start, starting here. And I think, uh, you know, the, the level of dancing, the, the, you know, the people that he puts together that would never be together otherwise. And, mm-hmm. And you got these musicians coming in, mm-hmm. you know, like Brooklyn Rider, which are, those guys are just ridiculously talented. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's just, uh, you never know what you're going to do. This year's exciting because uh, I'm working with Lauren Lovett on her new ballet, mm-hmm. which is a Schumann solo piano piece. So Wonderful. that's a real highlight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we talk a lot with the dancers about how cool it is for everyone to be together from different companies, different styles, that sort of thing. So like you mentioned, there's also a lot of musicians here too. So how do you feel that that influences you having all these, all this talent around you as well? Uh, It's just, uh, it's so fertile Mm -hmm. and uh, you know, it's really fun to see people that I never see normally during the year Misa and James and mm-hmm. yeah. Calvin and people that I don't work with. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's a blast. Yeah. Because, right. you know, you tend to be so insular with your own sure. company and that right. this kind of explodes that notion. Yeah. And then uh, I'm in the ballet world so much that when I hook up with these musicians that I don't normally work with, mm-hmm. they're so good that, that, a, I have to, you know, I, I have to really pay attention, you know, I, and just say, okay, you know, you got to really, really <laughs> zero in with these guys because <laughs> they're just at such a high level that mm-hmm. it's a, it's a real inspiration. That's great. So we're at the end of the interview, but we have one final portion that we do. It's, we call it our lightning round, where we just ask a, <laughs> a few short questions. Um, what, what's your favorite ballet to play? Pictures in an exhibition. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a particular piece of music that you didn't get to play or a ballet you didn't get to play at New York City Ballet? There's one that I would have liked to play more of, mm-hmm. uh, and that's, there's only one, uh-huh. and it's DSCH, oh. uh, Shostakovich Second Piano Concerto, Lex, Alexei Ballet. Yeah. They did that in Miami this year. I hadn't seen it in New York, and I was just like blown away by how great that We're ballet is. The, the, uh, well, who, who wouldn't yeah. be? Right, yeah. <laughs> right? And it doesn't hurt that he chooses good works really good <laughs> really good music yeah yeah uh, but the opening to the second movement of that ballet when the piano comes in it's just it just melts you mm-hmm. right so great uh who's the most musical dancer you've played for oh you really want to get me in trouble <laughs> no <I> mean, <laughs> no yeah well i love working with wendy uh carla uh uh Tyler, obviously, Miranda was, you know, really musical. I mean, there are a lot of musical dancers. Mm -hmm. I think the ones that uh, trusted themselves to dance to what I was doing, Mm -hmm. you know, were the best. Um, So lastly, a composer that you would like to play with or, or for, dead or alive? Wow, that's a good question. I, you know, I forget his name, uh... But it's the uh, the Russian guy that Alexei uses. It's oh, Desny- Desnyetikov yes, or something. The, the, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure I'm the composer totally for Russian. Totally butchery, <laughs> but anyway, f- interesting stuff. Huh. 
you know. I mean, I actually played uh, what's that ballet that's like uh, hoodlums that we do? Uh, Odessa. Odessa. Yeah. Odessa. He wrote that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, to do like a new piano piece, you know, with him writing it and Alexi choreographing. Now that it's pretty close to dance heaven, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. This was such a delight. Thanks. Thank you guys. (laughs) Thank you for joining us this week. We are excited to announce that you can now listen to Conversations on Dance on Spotify, in addition to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or through our website at conversationsondancepod.com. Subscribe now to receive notifications of new episodes. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Conversations on Dance. See you next week.